2: This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a RotoViz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with John Luxem, a multiple FFPC Dynasty League champ whose career winnings total well over $20,000. In this episode, we talk about what NFC West receiver is a prime dynasty buy. Why trading for aging production is sometimes the right choice, and much more. You can follow him on Twitter at JLux71. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listener's only 30% discount to a RotoViz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all the RotoViz content and tools, and it helps support the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here's $20,000 high-stakes Dynasty champ, John Lux.
1: <laughs> when, you are, when you're not playing high-stakes uh, uh, football with the FFPC Dynasty uh, fantasy football as well, John, uh, what do you do for a living?
4: Well, I uh, actually own and operate a bunch of Dunkin' Donut restaurants here in the Chicagoland area. And as so, yep. and as, go ahead. No, that keeps me pretty busy, and then I have two kids who are sports crazy kids, and and uh, we spend most of our weekends at some kind of uh, athletic tournament.
1: What's uh, how old are your
4: kids? My kids are eleven and nine, and play year-round sports and anything and everything they can get their hands
1: on. I got it. That yeah, that's I I used to be one of those kids <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I think we all did. Right? Yeah, we we all did. Yeah, and uh, and and um, uh, twenty sixteen FFPC main event. Uh, co-champion Nelson Sousa also earn, uh, owns a bunch of uh, Dunkin' Donuts franchises in the New York area, and I would say I need to start eating more donuts, but you would say it's it, it's it's something else.
4: Yeah, it's it's got to be the coffee. That's that's the liquid gold. That that's what makes it all happen.
1: I love that liquid gold. Okay, good. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, you won the FFPC 500 number 18 last year dynasty league, uh, and one of those uh, players on that team was Mark Ingram, uh, who split time. Uh, with Alvin Kamara, and obviously, uh, if you had one or both of these guys, you probably did pretty well. Um, I'm curious, given that uh, Kamara, you know, really crushed it with a lot of long runs, a lot of touchdowns, a lot of scores, a very hyper-efficient running back last year. Uh, Mark Ingram, who's who's been pretty solid the last couple of years, he could actually have another good year, maybe even a better 2018 than 2017.
4: Uh, yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, Mark Ingram. Um, he was a solid RB two last year. Um, he had over 50 receptions over a thousand yards rushing. He is just a, a workhorse. And, you know, Sean Payton showed, uh, that they could fold Kamara in. Um, and while Kamara kind of took the world by, by storm, Mark Ingram was the steady Eddie, just rolling it out, getting a thousand yards again, his rushing touchdowns were up. Um, but his overall touchdowns were only up by two. So he had a lot more uh, receiving touchdowns before Kamara. I don't see why he can't continue to be the the, the rushing workhorse, and Kamara picks up that that receiving role, and they keep the uh, tandem going.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, it, it could be, and maybe Kamara is is um, you know that same type of running back again in 2018. But we already saw that even when he is, Mark Ingram is very, very valuable. Uh, so there's no reason, like you said, for that to continue uh, coming into this season. Let's talk about a couple of uh, of different uh, off season trades that you made, and they're interesting because the the uh, you know the norm quote unquote normal in Dynasty is trying to acquire assets that. Um, are going to uh, increase in value, you know, players that have not peaked yet. So you will get them for their peak years. Um, But you zagged when when everybody else is zigging here. You acquire Frank Gore for, again, basically, you know, nothing, a a late six-round pick. And then uh, Marshawn Lynch for, again, not very much uh, draft capital that you had to give up for him. So while most people are trying to dump these running backs, you know, before they fall off uh, the edge of the cliff, why did you go the opposite way and acquire both these guys?
4: uh i'd like to say i'm crazy like a fox but um i I just like older players that produce and these are two guys that have shown throughout their careers that uh given the opportunity given the workload that they're going to produce now you know i I traded for gore before he, he went to miami um i was really hoping for maybe a better spot than that but i think him going home to miami um you know Kenyon drake is is nice but uh Hopefully he'll get enough touches, and when he does get touches, he, he produces. He almost had a thousand yards last year, playing in Indy with no Andrew Luck, with no real um, offensive structure going on there. It was kind of kind of just him and and, and nobody else. Um, and 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 I think that he is just a guy that has shown throughout his crew. He's he's durable. He's not going to get hurt. And for a sixth round pick, why not, right? So, um, but, but Lynch, Lynch is a little different. Um, I was excited when, when Gruden took the job there. I thought, you know, going to get back to running the ball hard. Um, Oakland had a down year in their, in their offense. Um, I was a little shocked that they got rid of Krabby, um, Michael Crabtree, and, and I don't know how that's going to play out for, for the overall offense. And, but I think you can't go wrong with, with the guy that produces when he, he gets the ball. I mean, he still averages over four and a half yards to carry. Um, he's going to get you touchdowns, so why not take a flyer on some of these older guys that I know are going to produce rather than taking a flyer on a young guy that, quite frankly, might get cut before the season even starts.
1: Let's uh, let's talk about a shift uh, from running back to receiver here and talk a little bit about uh, Doug Baldwin. Uh, he was a guy that helped you win this Dynasty title last year, and I think, uh, you know, you. let's read between the lines here a little bit. Seattle has lost some pretty significant contributors on defense. Uh, they've lost Jimmy Graham, uh, you know, a, a guy who caught a ton of touchdowns for them last year. We already know that the, the offensive line and running game is not where, uh, you know, it should be for this team. So this Seahawks team in 2018 might actually be playing from behind a little bit more than they've been uh, accustomed to. So you look at Doug Baldwin who's really the big or you know the only offensive weapon that Seattle has right now is this a buying opportunity for dynasty owners to try to cash in on Baldwin not maybe not pay a ton for him now uh, and then maybe flip him after the season if if he does catch you know 85 90 balls 1100 1200 yards eight or nine touchdowns I mean this this could be an interesting opportunity for dynasty owners to get him now and then maybe flip him or keep him at the end of the season
4: Yeah I mean I think you're spot on there I think that uh um who else is going to catch the ball out there uh russell wilson loves this guy he's steady Eddie for for him um you know he's a solid you know wide receiver too in my eyes uh still gets over over well over 100 targets every year um the last three years has been right around a thousand yards receiving every single year um he just produces um now the touchdowns you know he's not really uh you know any any of these guys trying to forecast the exact number of touchdowns can be difficult but he's going to definitely give you you know somewhere eight to twelve touchdowns and and, and why wouldn't you want that another guy that you know is going to produce as long as he doesn't get hurt he's he's going to be on the field um and he makes plays and and those are guys that you need on on dynasty teams you can't have a dynasty team just with a whole bunch of rookies and and darts and hopeful you know prospects because you're going to wind up just not cashing enough to, to sustain waiting for those guys to eventually produce, i.e. see like Devontae Parker, see Dante Moncrief. Those guys, while they had all the metrics, they haven't produced. And if you've been holding on to those guys for this long, while well, other guys are holding on to Baldwin and winning dynasty championships.
1: You know, the other thing about Doug Baldwin, and, and maybe this is <clears throat> just um, cutting to the heart of of dynasty owners in general, but, this is a guy, especially this time of year when we get all enamored with who's going to be a first round pick. What what is how tall is he? How how big is he? Uh, how fast is he? You know, Doug Baldwin not the fastest guy in the world when he was coming out of Stanford. He was an undrafted free agent, not the biggest guy, you know, 5'10" 192. This is a guy that's sort of been, you know, kind of unheralded his whole career and the fact that, you know, this is his, you know, whatever it is, 8th year in the league now. This just represents to me like there's nothing shiny about him other than his production, and I feel like if you go out and get Doug Baldwin right now, you're probably going, you might get him for less than, or you should get him for less than market value, and he could be one of those guys that just totally outperforms what what a lot of people uh, think he'll do. This is, I think he's a great dynasty buy right now.
4: I, I think so too. He's still young. He's like you said, it's eighth eighth year in the league. Um, you know, Russell Wilson has a great rapport connection with him. Guy makes plays, runs good routes. Um, you know, he, he's just somebody that you, you, you can rely on to put up, you know, somewhere between ten and, and twenty points a week for you.
1: We would, uh, we, we should probably actually talk about this. Is not something we talked about before the show, but the sure. big Brandon Cooks trade that went down yesterday, where New England now ships uh, ships him to Los Angeles, and uh, he will be. You know, I, well, I don't know, I'll let you answer this. The number one, the number two, the number three, I mean, they have Woods and Cup there, uh, and certainly Todd Gurley is still going to catch a lot of passes. So let's talk about this first from the Rams' point of view. How does Cooks fit in uh, to this offense? How good is he going to be in 2018? And most importantly, what does this do for his dynasty value?
4: Well, I mean, you know, uh, they could have gone uh, a little more economical route with the Rams. I mean, they could have kept Sammy Watkins. Um and, and not giving up a first-round pick to, to the Patriots. And the Patriots always seem to pull off these crazy first-round moves, uh, trading first-round picks to get, you know, guys that, that really, you know, nobody would think that would be on the trading block. Um, but Sean McVay out there in, in, in L.A., um, he's putting the weapons. I mean, it's like it's like Avengers Assemble out there. I mean, with the defensive <laughs> stuff that they, they did with getting to leave and um, sue and Peters and, um, you know, all these assets that they got out there and then throw on top of it, now now they got a, a legit burner guy that can produce and Brandon Cooks, and he's still on his rookie deal. Um, will he be the number one? I don't know. I mean, they got a lot of good other – Robert Woods is, is a solid wide receiver. Cooper Cup, you know, he's a great slot receiver. I mean, they, they got all the makings now. If Jared Goff can just take the next step and, and, and prove that he is the real deal, like Carson Wentz showed until he got hurt this year, and, and take that next step. Um, I mean, the Rams are going to be scary.
1: Brandon Cooks might fit in pretty good in this offense because I think we've we as as Cooks owners in the past have complained that he just doesn't get the targets that that you would be normally accustomed to for uh, a guy who was going in the first or you know late first or second or sometimes third rounds of of, uh, of redraft leagues, and in this offense with Goff, who's sort of been you know his talent has been unlocked by by sean mcveigh he's able to spread it around to Gurley and the cup to woods you know so, and and so maybe cooks doesn't get the targets here uh but the production definitely should uh still be there shifting over to new england and we look at mm-hmm. what what they're left with now you have julian edelman an aging julian edelman coming off uh acl surgery obviously i i, I think that this bodes well for him in his future New England that the Patriots are willing to do this. You have Chris Hogan there, and then a couple of other first-round picks uh, that, that kind of washed out with their original teams. But Corderell Patterson and Philip Dorsett are still there. You have uh, Kenny Britt there as well. Malcolm Mitchell, uh, if he could ever stay healthy, is also on that depth chart. Where is, is there value to be gotten right now, striking while the iron's hot, uh, by acquiring any of these players, where, who is who are the, who are the receivers to own in New England now?
4: Well, I I think you know Edelman. I think honestly that's the narrative for the entire season coming up. Edelman. Look at all the guys that got hurt this past year that were top producers up and down the line for these teams. You know David Johnson, Odell Beckham, Dalvin Cook, A. Rob fifteen, Carson Wentz, Chris Thompson. I mean you list goes on and on of of top producers for their teams that got hurt that are going to be coming back for, for this season coming up. Like Edelman is like the forgotten guy, but he was a solid, I mean, borderline RB one, you know, mid, mid, uh, not RB, uh, wide receiver one, uh, wide receiver two guy. He all, Brady loves him. Brady loved Hogan. I mean, those are, you know, those are, call them system guys, call them whatever you want. They, it works in new England. So uh, Edelman coming back, I think, you know, now that Cooks is gone, it's going to be hard to get Edelman at a at a discount. You probably could have got Edelman at a discount before this. Um, but, you know, Belichick keeps the system rolling. Um, who, who knows what he's going to do with those two first-round picks um, if he keeps them both and, and draft guys. But, you know, Kenny Britt is a, is a solid vet that, you know, obviously flamed out and washed out in um, in Cleveland. Uh, and, and, you know, but he can produce. And, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him produce, but between Edelman and, and, Hogan and Tom Brady, I mean, what Tom Brady is what, 40, 45 years old now, 42 years old, whatever he is. I mean, he's, he's out. he's the QB on my dynasty team that won. Um, and I keep joking that he's a Hall of Famer and nobody, nobody wants him. Um, but he just keeps producing. Those are guys that help you win titles. So I, I, I think, you know, status quo in New England and Edelman and Hogan are going to be great.
1: Yeah, I you know, and and you look at uh, Chris Hogan is actually he signed that three year deal coming over from Buffalo uh, in 2016, so he will actually be a free agent after this year. And you look at Julian Edelman and uh, and um, his contract, he is um, basically under contract for not very much money over the next two years. So I think you look at um, what the Patriots are thinking here. Uh, if they if Hogan has a big year, maybe they pay him, and it's going to be Edelman and Hogan the next couple of years. Uh, if not, maybe they use one of these top four picks that they have on a receiver and, and try to develop him. I know New England usually has not had a, a whole lot of success uh, drafting receivers. Maybe they try to buck that trend this year. But that is uh, going to be something uh, – You know, especially with all the opportunity there that's, uh, you know, uh, available in New England for these receivers, that's something to pay attention to as we get closer to the start of the season. Uh, Keeping it on the receiver tip, you you talked about him before, Michael Crabtree, cut by the Raiders, signed by the Ravens. Now you look at um, what we see in him right now. He's the number one for Baltimore. He's obviously very accustomed to being the number one. He was one in, in San Francisco, and he still got a ton of targets uh, in Oakland, you know, despite being uh, alongside Amari Cooper. But Baltimore could take Calvin Ridley or Cortland Sutton or somebody like that in the first round. If that's the case, are you willing to roll the dice? If you own Michael Crabtree and, and, and keep him on your team and, and hopefully, you know, they don't take a receiver early and Crabtree gets, uh, you know, he's in line for a big 2018 or are you trying to part ways with him right now just in case um, you know he does fall victim to playing opposite a, a, a rookie receiver that is the quote unquote future in Baltimore. How do you treat Crabtree for dynasty purposes right now?
4: Well, I think that um, most of these guys like Crabtree um, that are older veterans that produce, um, you know he had eight touchdowns last year at eight touchdowns the year before. Um, now obviously Oakland, their offense struggled. Uh, last year Uh, Derek Carr didn't have a great season Um, I I don't think Crabtree was the the, the problem in in Oakland but obviously Gruden wanted to go in a different direction and is going to rely heavily on on Amari Cooper out there Um, I think Flacco should love having a veteran receiver who knows how to get open knows how to run routes Um, it's been in the league quite a while um, has not a problem having volume targets I I think that uh, if they do draft somebody as a rookie, as you said earlier, he's going to still be a rookie. Um, I mean, even at if they draft it, I think they draft one in the middle of the first round or something like that. Yeah, 16. Uh, Yeah, so, you know, they're going to draft somebody. um, It's going to take a while for that person at 16 to come in and and try to uh, get up to speed. And and meanwhile, Crabtree, you know, he's just going to keep getting open. Flacco loves, uh, you know, to throw the ball down the field. Now, Crabtree's not a burner anymore, even if he ever was, um, but he's just another solid receiver who can catch the ball and put up points. And I don't know what's not to like. Now, eventually, these guys are getting older, and so you're going to try to trade them. You're not going to get the full value. So, you know, I think that's the fine line when you have these vets, you know, giving up known production for not as full value as you want to get for them. What, what's the point I'd rather keep them keep the points and 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 rather than giving up to get you know a rounder two rounds behind in in value that I think that they're worth
5: hey sports fans football season's here and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited.
1: You know, and that and that's, that's a great point because I have unsuccessfully <laughs> tried. I, I did it right with one player. I'm going to tell you about it in a second. But I, I have tried unsuccessfully to try to guess when receivers, running backs are going to be, you know, um, declining to the point where they're no longer uh, worthwhile fantasy <laughs> guys. The one guy I got it right on was several years ago. Uh, when everybody kind of gave up the ghost for heinz Ward said you know he 's not he 's done there, there's there 's no coming back hes he 's not going to be a relevant fantasy player anymore." And we said that, well, not we, but a lot of good dynasty players said it for like three or four seasons. Okay, this is the year. Now this is the year. And I kept holding on to him. You know, I didn't trade him. I didn't shop him. I said, no, I'm never going to get full value for Heinz Ward because I still believe in the talent. Now, eventually he did fall off the face of the earth and that last year (laughs) in the NFL was not a great one for him. But the fact that I was, and maybe he's a rare situation, but the fact that I was able to hold on to him that long and got all that production where, you know, even if I would have gotten a hundred cents on the dollar for him, maybe it's in the form of a draft pick that would have busted anyway. You know, you bring, you bring up this point, John, of, of having this proven production on your roster. And that can't be underestimated in dynasty success.
4: And I'll give you another name, Larry Fitzgerald. Perfect. Yep. Um, Next guy I'm going to bring up. I mean, guys, guys are kicking themselves because they sold Larry Fitzgerald two years ago for, you know, a third round pick or a fourth round pick. And here he is still putting up 1,000 yards receiving. There's no other number one wide receiver in Arizona. Um, now, the QB situation a little dire out there. I mean, if Bradford can stay healthy, then maybe that's good for Fitzgerald. But is this the year that Fitzgerald you know, takes a step back and calls it quits? It's trying to find that balance. And, and I'd rather take the production and try to win um, – over, you know, taking that shot on a rookie or a a pick that can bust out. I mean, if you go back and look at rookie draft boards, I like to do that from time to time, go back to previous seasons, and look at outside of the second, you know, the first and second rounds, I mean, the players that are taken in the third through seventh round, you know, those are complete dart throws, you know, and and maybe you get one that hits out of every round. I'd rather take the crab trees, the the Heinz Wards, the Larry Fitzgerald, and guys that I know are going to give me some points at least.
1: You know, I, on, on my other show on, on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, which you've been on before, Dave Gerzak and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, and I can't remember if it was him or me who brought up the list of the first round um, NFL first-round receivers um, mm-hmm. over the last, I don't know what it was. It was like 10 years or, or something like that. And outside of 2014 when you had – Watkins and Beckham and Evans and, and, and all those guys. And Robinson was a second round pick that year. And you had all those that, that crazy year outside of that, man, I'm telling you the bust rates for rookie receivers that eventually went in the first round of rookie drafts. Obviously it, it was insanely high. I mean, it might've been over 50%. uh So you, and that's first round picks, you know, we're not even talking right. about second or third round or anything like that. So the, and especially this year, I think that's something that to keep in mind that we all we want to have those shiny draft picks, but they're not you're they're not assets until you turn them into the correct players, into the non bus players. You know, it, it's nice to right. have them right now. But, man, if you can flip them for for production right now in, in and in a proven player, you're never going to get higher than what you can get for them now.
4: Right. I mean, even, you know, I took Corey Davis last year uh, in a couple of leagues that I had, you know, the first or second pick and, uh, you know, he finally started producing towards the playoffs. Right. Um, and, and some of those, you know, you were starting to wonder, is this guy even going to produce? Um, but then you look at Chicago, look at the bears, Kevin White. I mean, there there's, you know, example a that you want to bring up, um, we here in Chicago were super high on Kevin White. We're still high on Kevin White because he's barely played. He's played what 10, 15 games total in there's, four years.
1: There's not enough tape on him for to for to not
4: like him at this point,
1: right? You don't have enough. You don't have enough ammo to say, "Oh, this guy's terrible." You don't know
4: yet, right? Exactly. And you know, hopefully, with Nagy coming in and 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 A. Rob on the on the other side and and uh, Taylor Gabriel and Tariq Cohen, I, I, the upside's huge for the Bears. I really hope for Kevin White's sake that he can. You know, stay healthy and, and show the world what he can do. Because obviously, you know, he showed it in college, but till he does it in the pros, you know, you're you're just another uh, first round bust right now.
1: In uh, in short bench dynasty leagues uh, like the FFPC, where you know you, you you have to cut down to whatever it is, you know, 15, 16 players, um, you know, at roster cutdown time. How do you I mean, I mean for somebody who's never played dynasty like that where it's it's you know kind of like uh, almost like a huge keeper league rather than a dynasty, how do you mm-hmm. how, if somebody's never played that before, what's the most important thing to tell them to keep in mind uh, in regards to managing your roster properly in that t- uh, style of league?
4: Well well, one of the things you bring up, yeah, 16 spots, right? And then, you know, the, the, the rosters at uh, season start is, are 20. So we cut down to 16, you're eight, you know, so you're basically going to have four draft picks that are going to stay on your roster unless you make some trades, right? So accumulating all these picks, I see a guys that accumulate all these picks and they may have 10, 12, 13 picks. Well, you're going to have to cut some of those guys. And, and they haven't done anything on the field yet. So you're drafting all these rookies and, and all these guys with great upside, but you're going to cut half of them. So I, I, I don't, I still like to stay with the veterans. Um, veterans help you win. Try to win now. Um, rookie fever is, is fine, but it can kill you. You get a team that's all a bunch of rookies and prospects and the, the bust rate. You know, is, is too high. You got to have guys that can produce. Um, but I will say, if you like a guy, go get him. If you like a guy and you're picking at the one, you know, one seven, one five, whatever it is, and you're not getting another pick, and you like a guy, he may be a second round talent, but you want that guy. And I'll tell you a guy that I did that with, and people are going to say, yeah, yeah, you did it. Tariq Cohen. I thought that guy was going to be great. Um, I, you know, I was living in Chicago um i saw the hype on them. I, I i bought into it i knew i wasn't going to get a chance to get him um you know where where i was drafting in the rookie draft so i went up a round or two and took the guy that i wanted so if you see a guy that you like in the rookie draft maybe he's around higher than than whatever the official you know pr- pronosticators are saying go get the guys you like it's your dynasty team find the guys you want and, and don't let anybody sway you. If you go by ADP alone, you're going to have an average team. That's why it's called average draft. So,
1: get and getting your guys is is you will never. I mean, you will always hear me championing that. I I think that's um, you know, it, it's a key to victory. It's a key to making fantasy <laughs> enjoyable too, uh, for right. sure. As far as uh, your FFPC Dynasty Leagues go, John, is there a guy that you've been trying to buy maybe on the cheap right now and then uh, conversely another guy that you're actually shopping around to, to try to, to sell him right now?
4: Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little intrigued by, and and, and I know people are going to say why, but, you know, Kelvin Benjamin in, in, in Buffalo. Um, you know, he was a number one with Cam Newton. They traded him. Um, I think there's a guy that's got some skills that, that you know, you could probably get on the cheap um you know another guy like Cam Meredith another injury guy that that you know flashed a little bit you might be able to get him on the cheap um you know i i've been getting a lot of requests from people trying to get Mixon from me on the cheap and and i keep declining these offers that i see from people because they're they're really either thinking that i'm i'm sour on Mixon um but i think Mixon's going to have an up a, a big year in in Cincy. um so that, that's a guy that, you know, I'm not trying to get on the cheap, but people have been trying to get from me on the cheap. Um, some, some long, you know, Aguilar, another solid guy looks like he's figured it out in Philly. Uh, those are a couple of the guys. I mean, some longer shot type guys, Vance McDonald in, in Pittsburgh is a guy that flashed a little bit this year. Um, they don't really have a, a, a solid tight end position figured out in Pittsburgh this, uh, yet. Jesse James is nice, but I think Vance McDonald could, you can get him on the cheap. Um, and then the, there's an, you know, guys that, uh, have been starting to kind of creep into my peripheral vision a little bit, like Cameron Artis Payne and, in, in um, in, uh, Carolina. I think he might get a shot to be the, uh, RB one there. Um, so who knows? Take a flyer on, on, on a guy like that, a veteran guy, he might figure it out and uh, no, we know he can play in the league. Um, might be a better shot than taking somebody in the fourth round of a, a rookie draft that you may or may not have ever heard of.
1: Um, I let's talk. We I can't believe we've made it this far in this podcast. We haven't talked uh, rookies much at all. But since the <laughs> onset of of the NFL Combine, uh, a lot of uh, teams have had pro days. Uh, obviously, most of the pro days have been complete, and with the news that's come out on those has there been a rookie, uh, whose stock has significantly gone up uh, a lot for you? And then on the other uh, side of the coin, is there a rookie that maybe you're, you're kind of rethinking as, okay, maybe this guy is not the
4: type of player I thought he was going to be. Um, yeah, it's kind of a cop-out answer, but you know, Barkley, how can you not be impressed with what that guy did at the combine? Um, yeah, I mean, so if his stock was high, it's gotta be even higher. Um, uh so you know obviously he cemented himself as the uh consensus pretty much one uh rookie number one pick um by his combine stuff uh nick chubb i think he showed himself pretty well at the combine um helped himself out i know it was tough for him to share the load and coming off injury at georgia and sharing the load with uh sonny michelle um i i i think calvin ridley you mentioned him earlier might might be a possibility for baltimore i think he's somebody that 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 did a good job at the combine um you know some of the some of the dropping you know guys that didn't do so well at the combine i'm not i'm not really sold on on either the josh quarterbacks josh allen josh rosen um you know i'd rather you know for my money i'd rather take uh, i take baker mayfield all day long i think the guy's the winner i think he can play um i just think that some of those quarterbacks with their uh completion rate and their accuracy i just think they're Doomed for failure
1: in the in the NFL. Yeah, it's like I'm talking to, to Dave Gerzak right now because I know he does not like either the Joshes, uh, for dynasty purposes, and I believe he is also a Mayfield guy. Um, and uh, remains to be seen where he's going to end up, but uh, he's certainly created a lot of buzz. Uh, you know, it's weird that that guy who won the Heisman Trophy. Uh, we, we've kind of, you know, pooh pooed a little bit and talked about Allen and Darnold and, and Rosen, and, and all of a sudden Mayfield's like, you guys realize I was pretty good too. Uh, so, <laughs> so now all of a sudden he's in that top five. Maybe overall pick, first overall pick. We don't know uh, what's going to happen there with Cleveland. Um, I so, hope not
4: for, for him. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, yeah. avoid Cleveland. Everyone wants to avoid Cleveland until they, you know, I, I feel bad for Jarvis Landry. Um, you know, I just, it, Cleveland's tough. Until they, till they turn it around, I mean, they're, they're going to be the butt of all of our jokes.
1: Could this could this be the year though that they turn around? I mean, they get Tyrod Taylor who's probably you know been one of the better quarterbacks they've gotten in in the last few years. There, um, they could potentially add Barkley, and even if they don't, they already added Carlos Hyde, who's coming off a nice season. Duke Johnson, who who came off a pretty good season. Josh Gordon is going to have a, a full off season under his belt, and he looked all right uh, when he came back last season. You have supposedly a, a, a healthy Corey Coleman and Jarvis Landry who's the threat to catch, you know, 90 passes. David Njoku, you'd like to think, takes a step forward. They, I know they have to replace Joe Thomas at, at left tackle, but that offensive line was, was improved last year as well. I mean, is how good can Cleveland be this? I mean, you get enough of these talented guys there, maybe they can turn this thing around.
4: Well, I mean, you know, if you told any team, say you're going to have a five-game improvement over last season, right? You'd you're going to win it. five more games. Right. Love it. <laughs> right. Well, unfortunately, Cleveland five, you're still finishing last. You're, you you're, might be picking in the top five again. with the five Exactly. So, I mean, I, I wish I wish Cleveland was better. I mean, I do like Carlos Hyde. I, I was shocked uh, a little bit that that, they, you know, I knew that they were going to they were thinking about getting rid of him. They weren't very happy with him in San Francisco, but he produced. He's another guy that just produces. Um, I got him on a couple of teams. Carlos Hyde is, is a solid player. Um, Tyrod Taylor. You know, uh, he, he's Matt. He's okay, um, but yeah, I mean, you got Corey Coleman, first-round pick. You got Jarvis Landry. You're absolutely right. They have playmakers. Uh, I, I just got to wait for them to see it and do it in those uniforms.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that, that's always the bugaboo. Can they do it? You know, they've done it anywhere else. Can they do it in Cleveland? Um, right. What, John? What's uh what's a guy um, or who's a guy that you can't envision yourself? Uh, really taking in in first-round rookie drafts uh, this year, a guy that you think is going to be a bust, a guy you're going to stay away from, and then uh, maybe a sleeper that is going to slip to the second round, third round of rookie drafts uh, that you think could actually have a pretty nice dynasty career.
4: Well, I mean, I'm not a big Notre Dame fan, and I'm not a big fan of any of the guys coming out of Notre Dame. Uh, uh, St. Brown, um, I think he's going to wind up being a bust. I I really do. I I just don't. Nobody from—I mean, maybe I'm missing somebody, but I can't recall too many stellar guys coming out of Notre Dame and making a big impact in, in the NFL. Uh, Golden Tate, maybe.
1: Tim, um, going back, like. Yeah, the I mean,
4: okay. <laughs> so we're, we're going to go back to when we were kids, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Lou Holtz era. Um, but uh, you know, I, I just would stay away from any of those guys. Again, the, the, the Joshes, I would stay away from. Um, you know, some guys that I'm high on. I think that kid out of Oregon, Freeman,
2: yeah,
4: is gonna be a monster. Um, and you can get him probably mid first round. Um, you know, guys that are a little later, uh, like Auden Tate, uh out of Florida State. Uh unbelievable skill set. The guy's, you know, he's he's a freak. Um, maybe you can put it all together. Um Bo Scarborough out of Alabama, I think he could be a solid producer for a team. I mean, the guy was a giant out there in, on the college field. Um, and then, you know, because FFPC, you know, the tight end premium, you know, I think Mark Andrews is going to be a solid tight end um, out of what, Oklahoma? Or, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, out of Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah. Yep. yeah, so um, those are guys that I think you can get uh, later in the, in the rookie draft. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be – running back heavy to start most rookie drafts.
1: Yeah. And Freeman, I I think there's a chance he might even be able to get him later than the, than the mid first. I mean, it kind of, it'll obviously depend where he goes. I mean, if somebody takes him in in the early second round, he's, he's going to go higher, but, but he might be a guy that slips and Auden Tate, this is a guy, you know, and John, I don't know if you know this, but I'm, I'm a big Florida state fan and watching him uh, over the last couple of years at Florida state has been fun. However, his testing was, he had, I mean, a bad combine, his his pro day wasn't all that great, Um, but I am hopeful that he resembles a guy who had uh, a historically bad combine from Florida State last year, Dalvin Cook, and uh, really, really, really looked good in his limited time in Minnesota, so hopefully Tate uh, can do that as well, because uh, I want to like him, I want him to do good in the pros, and and I'll definitely be with you uh, on on nabbing him later on, because uh, if he'd if it was just a case of having a bad day or a couple of bad days and he turns out to be a pretty good pro, I don't want to miss on him if I can get him in the you know the early early to mid-second of rookie drafts.
4: Well, that's the thing, right? When and when you get into the second and third round of rookie drafts, um, most of this is landing spots for these rookies. Are they going to get an opportunity? Are they going to get a chance to get on the field? And, you know, obviously first-round picks, um, if guys are taken in the first round, um, they're going to get a chance to play right away. Um but if, if some of these guys go to, to to teams that have obviously, you know, openings and, and open competition for those starting spots, I don't see why some of those guys that we mentioned—Freeman, Tate, Scarborough, Andrews—can't can't get a chance to to try to get on the field.
1: Well, listen, I, John, I, I am so thankful that you uh, you took some time uh, out of your schedule today to to do the lowdown with me. I really appreciate. It. I wish you nothing but. Uh, the best of luck in both your rookie drafts and all your uh, drafts in in 2018. And uh, I am going to head over to my local Dunkin' Donuts, grab some coffee, and hopefully uh, I I will have uh, some good rookie drafts in front of me after
2: downing that tasty beverage.
4: Well, I appreciate you having me. And, and, you know, I appreciate the uh, FFPC for all they do. It's the best place to play. And and, uh, I I love playing Dynasty there on top of, you know, uh, main event and and football guy stuff. Uh, So, uh, without you guys doing what you do, we wouldn't have a place to play. So thank you guys.
1: Well, thank you so much, John. I certainly appreciate the kind words. And uh, like I said, best of luck to you this season. We'll talk to you again real soon, man.
4: All right, we'll catch up soon. Thanks, Bulky.
2: rotoviz.com podcast.